Hi everyone. I've never done this, but I'm going to add a special advertisement before this show. I ended up having a session with Tiffany Chan and it was life-changing. She has an ability to help you help yourself and it's very different than hiring someone who listens to you and then gives advice. If you end up doing a session with Tiffany, you're going to hear a part of yourself talking to yourself and it's going to remind you of all the goodness and good things that you had hopes for and that you should still have hopes for and I cannot possibly recommend her strongly enough. Please, if there's a part of you that knows that you could use a little help, but you want the help from yourself, please consider contacting Tiffany. I had a session with her and it was life-changing. I really recommend it. Hi everybody, you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week we have Tiffany Chan on the show. She's a spiritual advisor helping leaders embody higher consciousness. As a master Akashic healer, she teaches leaders how to access the quantum field. I have about a million questions just from those four statements, so I can't wait to get into this. <laughs> Tiffany, how's it going? I'm great. I'm great. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing very well. Uh, we talked a little bit and my daughter's sick, but I'm not, so who cares? Um, <laughs> we always ask our guests the same first three questions, which is how old are you? Where did you grow up? And what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of? Sure. I am uh, born in 1981, so I'm 42. Um, born and raised in Connecticut. Um, I guess that puts me on the edges of a millennial. Um, don't quite identify as that, but, you know, there I am. So I think you and I are similar ages, right? Yeah, no, I was 81 too. And I ask any guest born in 81, I make you give the exact birth date just because it's fun for me. Uh, April 10th. Okay, I'm June 30th. So we're, yes, we're like within two months of each other. And the reason I extra care is because like this question about what generation is basically designed for people born between 80 and 82. Um, I think we have... <laughs> the most blurry border ever. Definitely. Awesome. Well, uh, I have interviewed one person who is an Akashic Records expert, and my father talked about it a lot growing up because I have weird parents. Awesome. For myself, as well as our audience, um, can you please get into the Akashic Records? And I am asking as someone who actually really wants to hear it, because even though I just said I know some about it, I truly, truly do not. So this is like a very earnest question. Yeah. So, I mean, the simplest way that I can explain it, it is every thought emotion, event, feeling, sensation um, that is recorded in this sort of like energetic field. Um, and so just as we can see like material things, so if, for example, I'm sitting at a desk right now, I'm tapping at this desk, like that is made out of energy fundamentally. Um, that tangible things are made out of energy. And so intangible things like feelings, emotions, potentialities, events also carry an energetic imprint. And when you're attuned to that, you can be able to sense into this energetic field. Um, and some people, you know, call it the Akashic Records. Um, certain religions call it the Book of Life, if you were to refer to it in the Bible. Um, I, you know, scientists refer to it as the quantum field. Um, it's essentially uh, energy across all times, all places, and all dimensions. And, you know, people come to me to be able to access this field, which I feel super grateful for. And um, what I tell people is that you're already connected in, you know, as part of source and as a human being, you're already part of this collective consciousness, this energetic field. And so you've already been accessing your Akashic record your entire life. It's just a matter of being able to fine tune your instruments so that you can be able to do it more 
predictably as well as uh, consciously. And so that's what I do. I do that on behalf of leaders um, as well as individuals. And it's uh, the truest, like biggest privilege of my life. That's incredible. That's a great answer. And uh, I have very few questions, but I have one major one. And it's the same one I would ask like you no matter what, even without that explanation, which is yeah. I'm obsessed with this paradigm of like, we have free will. It feels like we have free will. Oh, wait, everything's already been predetermined and you have access to that predetermination. What is like the best way to calm down someone who that those thoughts would freak out? Like if someone isn't prepared to hear that, like <laughs> everything's in the can, but it feels like it's not like, how do you deal with that? like especially in the west well like, let me ask you that like what do you what do you what freaks you out about it well i'm i'm not freaked out about it i have friends who when i bring this up they get like angry like they, it like makes mm -hmm. them feel like it excuses hitler like to give a very extreme example or it makes them feel like um i'm taking away their accomplishments um and also people i, I find in general hate to hear that like uh, reincarnation doesn't work the way you think it does and it's not you reincarnating you are just an incarnation and so I, I personally tie all this in and feel free to say Mike you sound like an idiot that's not at all accurate so no I mean those are all great questions and let me like caveat this by saying like I still am figuring it out and I think that anyone who tells you that they know uh you know, A to Z, what how what this is and how it works is lying to you. Awesome. I love that answer. <laughs> Thank you. You're very cool with me, Tiffany. <laughs> so let me just start there. Um, this is my understanding and how I sort of like interpret all of this jazz is that, you know, before coming into this life, we have um, come in to um, have certain experiences to learn certain things about like life and have certain like lessons that we want to as a soul be able to embody and able to like transform so that um the overall consciousness of all beings can be able to progress and to evolve um and you as a soul are saying like hey listen you know i want to learn xyz as part of this particular like curriculum um, how you learn those particular things is really up to you. And for me, that's where free will comes in. It doesn't matter if it's a set in stone certain like life experience. You've got choice as to whether or not it's like falling your face really hard or if it's a little bit easier. But you are going to be undergoing certain experiences so that you can be able to transform. Um, and so, yes, in my view and in my experience there are certain things that happen along like a certain blueprint like if it's meant to happen generally it will happen how it happens the degree to how it happens is entirely up to you and that's where i think free will comes in that's that's a great answer and that's also very inspirational to me because it gives me the one piece i want um even if it weren't true i would want to believe that i have a little bit of a ability to affect uh not only my reaction to it but even the thing itself that i will eventually react to so I, I like that because um even if i don't have free will and it is all predetermined it's a lot more fun to feel like i do so i'm not actually like looking for a harsh or stern response to that but at the same time i do want to know the truth and i also as i get older just kind of get the feeling that like no matter what anyone who would you know offer the complete and utter story, it wouldn't make sense because I don't think there's any way to our linear minds we're going to get it anyway. So um, again, thank you. That was a, a perfect answer. And then since we, you brought it up and since we're going to talk about both and you said it's what Western scientists call it, um, 
how would you explain what the quantum field is just to like someone with like a rudimentary understanding of physics in general? Um, and, and then I'll have follow-ups for that actually. Yeah. Um, so when I open up someone's Akashic record, essentially what I'm seeing is their life path. And it's basically seeing like, given their current trajectory, given um, the choices that they've made along this trajectory, I'm able to sense in as to what is the highest likelihood and the greatest potentiality should they continue to make the same exact choices. Um, you are able to also sense into if they were to make a different choice, what would be um, a different pathway. And I think that's where free will comes in. Um, they do say that, you know, once you sort of like observe something, it's it's almost like it, like it shifts <laughs> the entire like momentum of that particular event. Um, and I do believe that when we're actually able to have um, sort of like a meta view of like not only our life, but particularly like why things are happening in our lives, we're actually given greater agency to like make choices. And I think that's really important that nothing is really set in stone. We're actually able to change not only the way that we experience it, but also how we're in relationship to it. Um, and I think that's the the most empowering thing that um, I want to like share with people, but then also on behalf of leaders that you are not only doing this on behalf of yourself, but you can also do it in behalf of the communities that you're a part of, which I think is pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's incredible. And what like, um, to what extent should a person be concerned with uh, why they're doing something versus how it's going to affect people. So basically the ends justify the means. Um, can you say more about that? Sure. Um, you work with leaders and leaders have a responsibility to lead. And if they lead irresponsibly, most people feel like that's not a very moral decision. Most people, not all. Sure. But some people would say, well, if I kill 500 people and it saves 20,000 lives, like, you know, the trolley car incident, those kind of things, then it's worth it. And so I'm kind of curious with, with the, Akashic records in the quantum field and what's going on here to, to, again, to the extent of what you think is going on, um, what would, does one matter more than the other? The reason why you want to do something, AKA to save a certain amount of lives or the actual like act itself. So would it be okay? Is it permissible? Is it good to kill a certain amount of people to save others or should you never kill? I mean, the short answer is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the longer answer is what I know is, is that intention matters a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for example, um, if I'm reaching out to a particular person um, for the sake of repair, for the sake of extending love and their human self reacts in a really negative way, and they're not able to like receive it, um, I let it go. But I also recognize that on an energetic level, that intention is being received. That even though um, their human self has responded negatively, I am shifting things not only within themselves, but also their soul is responsive to the love. Like their soul can actually receive things. And so it may take time for that person to eventually like turn around and to be able to um, respond positively in this particular dimension, but but because I've shifted things on you know the higher level and on an energetic level, 
that itself has created momentum for things to change. And so that's why like the energy and the intention matters. Cool. That's a really great answer. Um, and I was hoping that would be the answer, but I always have to ask, you know, questions openly. Um, uh, but I would like to think that that matters um, because it comes up a lot for me. Like I'll think about, I don't know there's just like, there's two ways to cut off a car and there's two ways to like slam on your brakes. And there's two, you know what I mean? There's like a million re I shouldn't have said ways. I should have said reasons. Um, and I, and I, when I'm trying not to get upset with others, I try to get out of it, the feeling upset by thinking, well, what was their intentionality? Even if what they did was extremely rude or, you know, whatever. Um, and so your answer matches that and helps me relax even more. And then a uh, quick question about you specifically, uh, when you do access the records on behalf of someone, do you have to ask their permission or can you just do it? Like if you're on a plane and you're bored, could you just like read the person next to you? Oh man, permission is a thousand percent essential. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, I never feel into another person's energetic field without their permission. Um, even if they're a close friend, even if they're a family member, um, for me, um, it's like peeking into someone's house and like, you know, that's, that's their space. Um, I would always ask before um, and actually receive explicit consent. So I actually have a written form so that they need to actually like say that they're giving me explicit permission. That being said, if you are part of a group or if you are part of a relationship, you do have permission to access on behalf of that group or on behalf of that relationship. So to give it concretely, um, if I'm having a spat with my brother, what I can do is actually open the Akashic record of the relationship between my brother and myself and understand what are the energetic dynamics that are happening between us. And I can bring through energetic healing as it relates to this relationship. Now, I won't see the full picture as to what is going on in his realm, but I will see what is relevant as it relates to me and our bond. And so, you know, we have certain limitations about what we can see because we want to be like protective of other people and their energetic field and their particular experience and journey, but there are limits. So as to like, what is possible? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm terribly sorry to announce this to you at the middle of the podcast, but you just made me write down like 500 questions. So you might be on the phone for the next uh, three hours, but I'm good. We'll, we'll try to <laughs> go quickly. Um, I think because I've often forgotten to ask it until the very end, I'm going to ask the you know quintessential question of the podcast, which is what do you think happens when you die? And then like I often do, I would like to know specifically with you, did this change at some point in your life or has this been a constant? Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Yeah, I'll start with the latter and then I'll go to like the former. Perfect. Um, so, you know, my background, I graduated with a poli-fi degree. I have an MBA. Um, I worked in foreign policy think tanks. Um, I worked for a global organization called the World Economic Forum. Oh, wow. um, I, I am like the last person that you would expect to be doing this sort of work. I will actually interrupt you to agree with that because I, I do a lot of <laughs> research with the World Economic Forum. I'm totally surprised. Okay. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, the the last person that you would ever expect. <laughs> 
Um, what happened, you know, so it, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the work of the forum, it's basically the confluence of uh, private sector um, government and civil society coming together to kind of think about how to think about issues from like a meta view. And it's all of the high level leaders, meaning CEOs, heads of state, coming together and really thinking about like what's going on and how to figure out a way forward. Um, I was, you know, honored to be a global leadership fellow with them for several years. And then as my fellowship came to an end, um, moved to Johannesburg, South Africa. Wow. And so, yeah, crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so went from like the, like super uber duper structure of Geneva, Switzerland and moved to that of like Joburg. Um, went to like essentially, you know, marry someone that um, I was deeply in love with, um, and also to start a network of universities throughout the continent. And um, while I was in Joburg, I was on the phone with my mom, and she was just like, hey, you know, have you found a church yet? Have you found a place to call home? And I just rolled my eyes, and I was just like, mom, I just don't have time for this. Um, don't you see all the sexy, amazing, social impacty things that I'm doing for the world? Don't you know who I'm interacting with? And, you know, but that conversation just stuck with me. Um, and what happened is that I had some business at the U.S. consulate and I was Ubering there and the conversation with my mom just kept replaying in my my consciousness. And I just prayed to God in a way that I had never prayed before. And I just said, God, I just want to be able to know who you are. You know, I just want to be able to talk to you like you're my friend. It was a two-second prayer. Didn't think anything of it. Went into the consulate, came back out, was going to cross the street um, to catch like an Uber on the other side. And as the light turned green um, and I was walking across one of the major intersections in downtown Joburg, I saw a white car rotating through the air coming towards me. Wow. And it was just one of those sort of like, you know, like sliding door, matrixy sort of like moments where time and space just slowed down. And it just like, it just, my, I was, my first reaction was like, huh, you know, that's, that's, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And then my second reaction was like, oh, that's coming towards me. And, you know, I, I don't know if it was, I was pulled back by a force or I pulled myself back. What I do know was that, you know, the car didn't hit me. It barely missed me. Um, but it ended up hitting a woman who was also crossing the street to my left and her body went flying. Thankfully, she is still alive. Um, but, you know, she was in really bad shape. Um, and I was the first responder. And, you know, I I don't know what happened through that interaction, but to this day, she credits me with saving her life. If that's true, I don't know. But what I do know was that that moment, like, shifted things fundamentally for me. Because prior to that moment, I was a very cerebral person. And there was something about the experience that it just shattered me from the inside out. 
meaning like I, I lost my, you know, critical thinking skills, you know, for someone who was, took a lot of pride in being able to travel around the world. Like I was afraid of the dark. I couldn't cross the street. You know, mm. I couldn't make any decisions. Like I was basically just a pile of goo inside. It was just one of those sort of like, I don't know if it qualifies as a near death experience, but it just really shocked me from the inside out. And so I ended up repatriating back to the States because I couldn't make sense of what was happening anymore. And I just started to like build my life <clears throat> from the inside out and started to ask those bigger questions like, what is God? Is there life after death? What do I think happens when we die? And, uh, you know, to your point, most people don't think about these questions because we, for some reason, think that we're going to be living forever, even though we fundamentally kind of think that we're going to be, you know, (laughs) we know that people die, but at the same time, we're like, we don't really believe it. Um, But I I really need to like figure those things out for myself. And so to answer the, 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 the latter question or former, whatever, is like, what do I think what happens when we die? I think that we just go back to source. I think that we're just an expanded version of who we are and that we're along this soul's journey that is just here to have different experiences so that we can expand consciousness for all beings and not all beings here, here on earth, but all beings throughout the universe. Um, and I think that we are expressions of source Um like having these experiences so that source can continue to expand. I don't necessarily think that like reincarnation in the traditional sense of like you come up as a centipede and you come up as like, like a dog or whatever. I think of it as like all time happens exactly at the same moment and different aspects of our soul are actually experiencing time at the exact same time. Yes. And so when I, yeah and so like that's for me like the quantum feel it's like the have you ever watched the movie like uh everything everywhere all at once oh yeah i saw it recently yeah yeah it's it's basically the closest thing that i can explain to like my personal experience of the akashic records it's almost like there are aspects of myself that are spread throughout all different dimensions and experiencing time exactly all at once And so when I sense into a person's Akashic record, I I not only see them in their current form in this particular lifetime, in this dimension, but also I can actually see them in past lives. And how I interpret past lives, it's not necessarily linear, like going back to the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. It's actually past lives that, you know, that particular time period is is actually happening now. And so I think that's completely wild because when we, when I think about like trauma that's stored in our body, it's not only trauma that I occurred in my childhood, but actually trauma that I've acquired in um, my past lives that I'm actually, you know, experiencing now. So if I am afraid of the dark for some, you know, odd reason, it may not be something that I had in this particular journey. It may have been something that has influenced that I have had and otherwise that are actually influencing this current iteration of who I am. Wow. I mean, that was amazing. I'm always wondering, though. So let's say I signed up uh, to have a session with you and I'm in it. Would you ever like hold back bad news? And if the answer is yes, why? Or And if the answer is no, why not? <clears throat> um, so first of all, spirit will never, your soul, 
Um, and when I refer to spirit, like I refer to it as God, spirit, source. Okay. Um, and so when I open up your Akashic record, I am, your soul is giving me information. Ah, so if, okay. if, if you don't want to hear something, um, I, that's not going to be revealed to me. Um, that being said, um, I always share a hundred percent of what I access on behalf of the client because I offer it in love and unattachment. And if I'm, if I'm being given that information, I believe that it is my <clears throat> duty and responsibility to share that with you. Cool. Yeah. That, that being, oh, yeah. God, sorry, please. And continue. so, yeah. And, and I would often say is that the frequencies of the records, if you're accessing at that pure, clear vibration, the frequencies of the record are always of love. Mm. It's always neutral, objective, and loving. It is never fear-based. So I, I would caution, you know, like, if, if you're ever wondering, like, how to tell between a charlatan or someone else, <laughs> like, who's like a true, you know, it's, I, the two things I'm always looking for is, are they inciting fear within you? If not, if, if so, like, my, my suggestion would be to go to someone else. And are, are they looking to empower you? Are they looking to, like, exercise your own agency and to be able to help you become the highest potentiality of who you are? If so, you can trust that person. And when I say that, like, they're holding you in love and it's not fear-based, it's not meant to say that they're always going to give you sunshine, roses, unicorns. No, but it's offering you, like, objective information that you're not going to be able to, like, that you're not, like, they're not pushing you towards a reaction of fear. And I just wanted to, like, offer that because that's source energy. Source energy is that of love. I mean, I love that. It definitely resonates with me. Um... Yeah. And I think, I guess that, and also to answer my own question, if a person was upset by something you said, it would just be because they can't handle something their own soul was dying probably to tell them. So, um, out of love too, which is extra funny to me. Um, circling back to something you said way early on, but it's an important note for me. Um, you mentioned that there are like certain tangibles and then there's intangibles like emotions and feelings. What are thoughts? Are they tangible or intangible? Yeah. So, um, Thoughts are intangible, but as you put more energy into them, as you um, ensconce them in emotion, which is energy, and you actually pair that with action, which is like bringing that into this particular dimension, thoughts transform into physical things. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. So, I mean, manifestation sort of in like the most rudimentary sense. Precisely. Okay, cool. If I ask this question the way I wrote it, it would sound very stupid. So this might be a little bit longer to explain it, but I under I know you'll understand <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. Okay. The original question was why, why have an ego, but that's oversimplified. What I'm really more interested in is why do our egos often beg us to chase material or like illusionary goals that we think will fulfill us. Like why is my own ego working against me? It feels sometimes, especially with like career ambitions and things like the biggest change in my life has been the last seven years, like realizing that all of my ambitions for my career were the intention behind them was not selfish, but was not what I thought the intention was. Yeah. I mean, and um, I'm totally aligned with you. I'm really trying to be in right relationship with my ego constantly <sighs> why um here's here's my best shot at this um 
I do believe that we need to go through some sort of like structure to be able to experience certain things, particularly in like the first half of our lives. Ah, cool. And I think that like, so I make up that the ego is um, in service of us being able to like learn those things in a very structured manner and that it's actually like when people experience a midlife crisis i actually don't think that it's a crisis i think that it's an invitation for spiritual awakening and it's in that time where we're actually like being called to almost like unpack or like unravel all of the things of our ego so that we can be able to overcome that and then able to experience even a wider aspects of life. I don't necessarily think that the ego itself is bad. I think it's actually in service of very core development so that we can be able to experience the evolution and the transformation that we're here. Um, in the same way that I don't think that, you know, there, I don't really believe that there are quote unquote negative or uh, bad experiences. I don't necessarily think that there are even like bad emotions. I do think that these things are in service of us so that we can be able to like catalyze them to be able to be the person or to experience the certain things that we're here to experience. So I think that part of your trajectory is in like your, your ego is in service of you being able to um, evolve. Yeah, I loved that answer. That made uh, it resonated with me and it made sense, which is a two for two special. That's awesome. So thank you. Yeah. What was like the first time where you felt really confident saying, hey, I'm an Akashic healer? Like, like how, uh, because we don't have a lot of time, I, I can't ask you for like the whole road up to that. But like, what was like the defining moment in your life where you're like, oh, I'm here. This is me. This is my, my dharma. Yeah. Um, COVID. Um, oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, I spent most of COVID, like most people, you know, in small, tiny environments, staying still. <laughs> um, and I was put to the highest service during that time because I literally was opening up Akashic Records for people on almost every continent of this earth. Mm. And there was something to be said about, okay, so I'm sitting in this tiny little like room and yet uh, the other people are experiencing emotional healing from literally half the world away. And I'm yeah. doing this not only like from like consistently, but I'm doing it for all age ranges of all different professions of backgrounds, people that I've never met and that I only know their name. Like, how is that even possible? So it was in a way like, like a, like reflecting back to me of like how powerful this work was. Um, and the fact that I could be sitting in someplace that felt like isolating and still feel that sense of like connectedness and actually empower other people to feel connected to the world during that time was really the tipping point for me. Wow, that's really cool. And that's really special. I think I've asked all the questions I'm allowed to ask. I have a million more, but um, they're going to be on this <laughs> list I have of people I'm going to have back on. So hopefully you'll be willing to and I didn't scare you off. Awesome. With that said, I would love to leave you the floor to say something nice to our guests before you take off. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I do believe that we're heading into a pretty rough period. It's going to be pretty rough for the next 10 to 15 years. That being said, um, I have I'm incredibly optimistic about where we're going collectively as a society. 
So there is something to be said about um, maintaining hope, but then also to be a leader and to influence communities, it really starts with yourself. So the fact that you're listening to this podcast, the fact that you are inquisitive and that you're open to receiving different perspectives is actually heightening the consciousness. And this, the, the pathway towards us evolving as a society, frankly, starts this way and it starts with you. That's so awesome. And uh, several friends of mine and a lot of my family is going to think I paid you to say that because I keep telling them that a certain election that's coming up is going to end a certain way that a lot of people certainly don't want to see. And I keep saying, no, 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 accelerate it. Bring it all on. Let's just get this all out. Um, Let's just see what's going on. Same with everything going on in different continents and wars and all that. Um, Not that I'm a fan of any of it. If anything, I'm the most peaceful pacifist person you'll meet in America. But um, I really agree with you. So thank you for articulating it and saying it um, out loud and for people to hear. And I hope people will really think about that, that um, it doesn't mean you should participate and and enjoy the struggle, if you will call it that, for the next 15 years or 20 or whatever it is. But um, more that like you're here in this time for a reason and you're one of the good people. So act like it. And uh, I will try my best to do the same. Um, Tiffany, you're awesome. You're, you're on that list. Thank you so much. Um, 100% there will be notes for not only your LinkedIn profile, but also to find you on the web. And again, everyone, please, um, if you're interested, please contact her. Um, she sounds awesome, and uh, she's obviously not a charlatan. I can definitely vouch for that. So thank you. Um, and everyone listening at home, if you want to support the show, the number one way to do it is just to head over to mikeyop.com. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com and sign up for a subscription, which is free. And if you want to go the extra mile, please sign up for the premium subscription. It helps keep the solar panels I'm paying off slowly on. So thank you. Um, and my name is Mike Oppenheim. You have been listening to Coffin Talk. And we will see you soon.